the R9 fringe, Pizzagate, the special one, and so much more. Welcome to Naughty Footy, a celebration of our favourite decade of football. Yo, 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 people. Uh, yeah, it's not a new pod. I just want to introduce you to part two of the Euros 2004 pod. We had a lot to talk about. It was a sick tournament. Go, go, go. Um, but back to England, Portugal. So, we're playing the hosts. Um, and we start really well, as we did against Brazil in the quarterfinals at this stage. Michael Owen gets an early goal. Really well-taken goal. And I said it um, when we're talking about England in the groups, but Owen was getting a lot of stick. And he has been completely outshone by his new young strike partner, Wayne Rooney. And he, I, don't, I don't think Owen had scored up until this point, which was unlike him. Like Owen is known, renowned for being a prolific goal scorer, um, particularly for England as well. So we take the lead. Can I just, that is one of the most underrated finishes. I think... I think the flick. Oh, Owen. yeah. Great. Right. It's, and it's, two, it's two and a half minutes into the game. Um, David James sends it long. I can't remember who it was who, who misjudged the header. Mm. And from... And it, it, he heads it, he sort of flicks it backwards. And yep. from a, the moment he flicks it backwards, Owen hasn't even looked at the goal. It's two minutes into the game. He probably hasn't even touched the ball yet. And he just doesn't even think to look. He just knows where the goal is and he just flicks it. He knows with where it, the keeper is. He, he knows where the keeper is. He flicks it with the outside of it. But what a finish. Oh, it's not spoken about enough, in my opinion. It's a bit of a shame with Owen, isn't it? After that, obviously, he got his move to Madrid, but... And then obviously Liverpool won the Champions League, and then he didn't really yeah. do. I think much that was yet. a record for him. I think I think the first England player to score in four consecutive tournaments. I don't think anyone yeah, yeah, yeah. yep. done that at the time. I don't yeah. know if anyone's even done it since. To be honest with you, so that's yeah. I mean, yeah, weird career he had, which was very like weighted towards the beginning of it. I guess yeah, yeah, for sure. And then yeah, England we seem relatively comfortable. I mean, it's early on in the game, but. Uh, Importantly and significantly, 27 minutes in, Wayne Rooney limps off, um, injured. And we spoke about us against France. And I was saying I haven't been as critical as, as many for Sven for the kind of our game management. And I didn't mind when Rooney was on the pitch because, yeah, you might be, in, as I said, you might be relying on his overall and his individual brilliance. But I still think that can be a tactic in and of itself. But I think the issue here then became, OK, Rooney's off the pitch. We're 1-0 up. If anything, we probably scored a bit too early. And like given Sven's tactics, and then now we don't have Rooney on, we don't have that individual brilliance, we don't really have that outlet. Um, I can't remember who came on to replace him, would have been Vessel, yeah, different kind of player. <laughs> I don't Very talk about <laughs> Um, so now it becomes a game well, we don't have this individual brilliant player, like, how do we manage this? And this is where I, I, I probably agree that the stick that came Sven's way was a bit more warranted. I, I don't think we managed it particularly well. Agreed. I've, I think I think the midfield that we had at our, at our disposal, we should have been able to manage games or that we Lampard, all. Gerard, Skulls, yeah, Beckham, yeah. Like we we should have. I think he, I think he hooked Skulls off for Phil, Phil Neville because yeah, half time. So like wanted yeah, him to Mark Decker. Minute. Yeah, ridiculous. You just yeah. think you just think, mate. You've you've missed a trick there. Something with that with that midfield. Yeah, it's it's difficult losing Rooney. But it's not like you know Owen at that. How how old's Owen at that point? He'll he'll run all day up top. You gotta just. We should have dominated the possession yeah. from, from 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 going one 0 up. Really frustrated Portugal. Get them a bit rattled. They're at home. They're thinking fucking hell. We're gonna go out of the last sixteen in our home tournament. And it wasn't like that. I think we almost for a team as good as we were, we looked like we were. A, a lower ranked team trying to do a smash and grab job for 87 minutes. Tracks. And and I kind of think as well, like if you look at Portugal's midfield, it's quite a bit of an industrious midfield. It's not really like a... You mean Figo you, and Deco? You wouldn't expect them to just be dominating. Obviously, Figo is playing wide, so you've got okay, Deco, yeah. you've got Costinha and you've got Manish. Manish yeah, Obviously, yeah. I know a lot of these players were in that, that Porto side that won the Champions League. Yeah which we haven't mentioned yet. A lot of these players were in that Porto side that won the Champions League. But That's I just think point. you they're not players that you think are always necessarily going to dominate games. If, if you're playing a different way anyway, because obviously we know that that Porto side, they, they like to keep possession. But I just think 
when you've got a bit of quality in, in the sense of Skulls, Gerard, Lampard, and you know that you're playing against a team that want to keep the ball, but yeah. they, they, they're playing in a different system with a different manager. Yeah. Sometimes just, just switch it up, add an extra man in the midfield, do something different. Mm. He didn't do that. And, do you and think he tried to do that by taking off Skulls and putting on Phil Neville? Yeah, but where did he feel Neville? What's, the, what's, the, what's where, the logic? Where there? are you going to keep the ball? You're not. You're not going to keep the ball. He's just going to have someone just running around. Essentially, mm. Phil Neville played his best years probably as a right back for mm. for Everton. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? All right, maybe I'm, I'm being harsh there. He was, he was decent at Man United, but it didn't make any sense. And and I think Beckham was pretty ineffective in that game. He didn't take him off. Do you know what I mean? There was no brave decisions. And and if you look at Portugal on the other hand, I think I mentioned this in the in the pod that I was talking about. Uh, the, what's it called? The Golden Generation pod. Uh, Scolari Scolari took off Figo. Yeah, he takes he off he takes off Luis Figo for a guy who's flopping at Tottenham. Sven, I think we, he might have taken Beckham off against France. To be fair to him, oh, was it France? He he had taken Beckham off in an early game. To be fair to him, but this is a big but, game. But it's yeah. a knockout. But game. but it's, it's not. It's taking skulls off, not. Showing you've got balls. Not really, because Skulls was playing on the left. Mm. I think it's easier to do that than it is to take off Beckham. That's yes, fair enough. Yeah. And obviously Beckham's the captain, all of that kind of stuff. I just think, and you bring you bring on Shamal, who was a good player at the time. I'm not, I'm not criticizing him, but you you bring on Shamal for um, in fact no, a legend. Who did he wait? Sorry, who did he bring on for Figo? Hel- no, he brought on help. That's what I'm saying. He, he, he brings on. He brings up. He brings on a guy who's just not really. Setting the world alight at Spurs for yeah. Figo, who who I is the absolute talisman, and I think Figo scored one goal. Went two up front, yeah, Figo scored one goal. That I, don't, season I, I, for Spurs. Don't, I don't think maybe we we people realize these days how talismanic Figo was for Portugal because of, because of Ronaldo, yeah. but he was the guy. Mm-hmm. He was the yeah, guy he was. before the guy. He was he was the guy. We spoke about him on this pod, but but doing that. Probably people people at home are fuming. You know, people in the Portuguese pub drinking their Superbox. They're, 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 they're serious. <laughs> I'm, I'm being serious. They're saying to their pals, what the fuck is he doing? <laughs> this Brazilian guy, we wandered down to England and he's taken off Figo. You know that conversation was had. You yeah, know it's been had. Yeah, yeah, so. definitely. And then he was brave as well. He took off Miguel, brought on um, um, Rui Costa. Is it easier to be brave when you're one down though? So you're, you're throwing yeah, everything I agree. at Yeah, I agree. It's easier to be brave on your one down. I guess down, but you can it, see it, if Sven did something going. mad, I know we okay. I know that at the end result, if Sven did something mad and we conceded three goals, you'd all be like, "Why the <laughs> fuck did he go?" Crazy? I, I know, I know, yeah, but, but I still think. Br- but bring bringing off your best player when you're one nil down, that takes some serious <laughs> testicles <laughs> agree, it, it, for anyone for anyone to do that. I agree. I agree. I agree. <laughs> um, so. So, as you said, Figo comes off and Helda Postigo came on. And as I said, I, I remember quite well because he played for the Ops, played for the rivals, Tottenham. And I, I thought it was shit. And I always used to laugh at him because he scored literally one league goal all season. Um, but he comes on. The ball, I think it's on the right hand Yeah, it's on the right hand side. And I, I, I think it's Beckham doesn't, funny enough, we were talking about. Line, yeah. Doesn't clear his eyes. And then doesn't get close enough to, to the cross that comes in again. He's nowhere near it. He's not, I don't even think he tries to block it, really. The ball comes in, Pastiga's between the two centre-backs, and it's a, to be fair, it's a fucking good header. It's a great yeah. header from Pastiga. Great header. Beats James, and it's 1-1 with like seven minutes on the clock. <laughs> and you're thinking, oh, fuck's sake. And then it's just it's, it, it seems destined for extra time. And then in the last minute, in True England star, I think set-piece or cross. Well, it was a set-piece. Um, don't know what happens. The ball comes in the box. Someone gets a flick on of some form, and Campbell heads it in the back of the net. But John Terry's in this awkward position where he's almost tangling with the keeper. And I don't know if he touches it first, actually. I don't actually think he touches the ball. But he, he I, think the keeper, it, it, I think the keeper might fuck it. The keeper fucks it. He doesn't touch bit. the ball. But Terry doesn't touch the ball. But I, I, I've watched it again and I kept slowing it down. Because, <laughs> you know, you can on YouTube. It's at 0.25. And it's the 90th minute. Campbell's put the ball in the back of the net. The referee's blown immediately, like straight away. But... I don't think it's a fucking foul. It's not. Can, it's I, can I give you my theory, which I'm very confident on? Is it UEFA again? No, 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 no. Not, not no. even. Not even. Okay. Sol Campbell takes a jump and he sort of climbs on John Terry. Yeah, that's England. England are playing in white. Mm. Uh, Portugal's keeper, Ricardo, is playing in some shiny light grey. I think that the ref has seen Campbell climb on John Terry and thought mm. that Campbell was climbing on the keeper because there's... Inc- so you don't think he gives it because of Terry? You think he gives it because of Campbell? I, I think he he thinks that John Terry is 
is Ricardo, and he, and and because the kit of the England defenders, but obviously attackers at this point, yeah. clash with the Portuguese goalkeeper. He's seen that tangle of bodies and thought the the contact from Campbell on Terry is contact of Campbell on the goalkeeper. That that's the only thing to give that it thing, yeah. to give it so quickly. I'm sh- I'm sure that's what he's given it for because if you look, the the Portugal players don't even really appeal. No, like Ricardo, Ricardo doesn't really yeah, appeal. Yeah. He just kind of. He's just sort of under it, and you see both Terry and Campbell. They're looking. Terry doesn't look anywhere but the ball. Yeah, Terry's looking. He's looking up at the ball the whole time. He doesn't even know where fucking Ricardo. Uh, so it's interesting you say that because I thought he gives it because of Terry. Because I know although Terry's looking at the ball, Ricardo, if anything, kind of slaps at him when when Campbell yeah. jumps what, over watch, Terry. Watch it. Watch it again. You see, it's actually quite <laughs> clever, I think, from Campbell because he actually uses JT. To, to propel his leap, which obviously you're you're okay to do, it's your teammate, mm. you know, and I, that's the only thing because otherwise it's just all six and one from from all sides. As you say, JT's looking at the ball, Ricardo comes and comes on him, and the only thing would you say it was, it was climbing from from uh, from Sol Campbell, but it's on his own player. I, I'm I'm convinced in my own head that's what's happened. Yeah. So annoyingly, that gets ruled out. Um, yeah, it, it shouldn't have been. So the game is going to extra time, England-Portugal. In extra time, <laughs> it's Portugal that go one up um, in the second half of extra time, 110 minutes. Rui Costa, another sub. And with 10 minutes to go in Portugal, stadium's fucking buzzing. It's a home it's a home game for them. You're kind of thinking it's game over. But fucking Frank Lampard, bruv, who had a stellar tournament all the way through. Yeah, and probably, b- b- apart from Rooney, was our best performer. And it's such a good fucking take as well. I don't know if people remember it. It's, it's another knockdown from set piece. I think it's John Terry. John yeah, Terry's head. Yeah. And it's so composed. Touch, swivel, and the finish. It was so underrated, bruv. And and Lampard done that throughout his career. I know we, we spoke about this on, on other pods, but this, this and annoyingly, I hate to agree with Louis, and he's, he's influenced me on this one, but Lampard's underrated, bruv. I don't like the way when I hear this skulls Gerard Lampard debate, and Lampard's automatically relegated to the bottom of the three. Because this guy turned up and he didn't make the same as we talked about Gerard earlier. Um, the back pass, and he's done that multiple times. He's been sent off after coming on the pitch for 30 seconds <laughs> against Liverpool United, the biggest game of Liverpool. Like, he's done this kind of, I'm not saying he hasn't won games, but so has Lampard. And Lampard's such an underrated baller. And this goal was testament to that, I thought. And it, I think it's the kind of goal that you, you see and you don't think there was much to it. But the touch, the composure yeah. in the box, the swivel. 115 minutes to take it down on your left. Just know where the goal is. Give give Ricardo no chance. I, I always yeah. say about Lampard, lad, he did what is the hardest thing to do in football is to put the ball in the fucking back of the net. And he did it more prolifically than Scholes and Gerrard. Facts. And Obviously, fucking a lot of strikers. Yeah, and a, and a lot of strikers. I'm not saying that. I find it hard to say who's better, but I think that in itself gives you an indication of how great the player was anyway. Correct. Yeah, I'm, I'm not out here saying Lampard's Big better facts. or anything, Big but facts. I, don't like, I don't like the perception that it's between Skulls and Gerrard. So yeah, anyways, Lampard equalises with five minutes to go in extra time, has the bottle, and then yeah, it goes to fucking penalties. <laughs> and I can't remember the last time England had won a penalty shootout before this. If, if I don't think we've ever, we no, we, we, never, we've never, we never had. We, we never had. had. Um, not as a tournament, no. No. Nah. So it goes to penalties. Does Beckham take our first one? First one, yeah. And he misses. He does nah, he, 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 he sends it into orbit. <laughs> I f- he'd mi- and obviously he'd missed one earlier in the tournament against France. I think he'd missed one, oh, I think the qualifiers or, or not, or in a warm-up game against Turkey. Very similar where he played yeah. the spot as well. After he misses this penalty, he looks back yeah. on the spot and points at it to say the spot's all fucked up. Glazes it over. And he just, you don't know if he's kind of, because obviously Bartez saved the one in um, in the group game, whether he's just trying so hard to go for the corners rather than <laughs> hit, hit the target. And it's a, it's a, it's a debate that we've had. Well, funnily enough, in, in 02... And when Beckham yeah, scored that yeah, yeah. penalty that, against Argentina, it was a shit penalty. But shit he, pen- he gave yeah. himself he gave himself a chance, and it's like <laughs> he's like he's he's, he's it, we can have that debate. But it, it's like Beckham. Look, don't get me wrong, the spot was a bit sandy in that. But he's tried so hard to break the back of the net, he's just completely lost all control of the football, and it's gone into absolute orbit. It's not even like he slipped over or anything. I don't I don't really understand like why Beckham was ever really a penalty taker for England because for United he didn't take penalties. It was Van Nistelrooy that always took them at the time. 
prior to that. Did he take them at Madrid either? I don't think so. No, I don't think nah, he would have done. Raul was there. Ronaldo was there. Zidane was there. I think it was just he's the captain. Dead balls. I, I, I think you almost had a bit of that that back then. Maybe like just a bit of old school, not actually sensible. Who's who's the best penalty taker? Because yeah, when you when you got guys like like Lampard and Gerrard in the team, who are sort of slotting it, like yeah, Beckham doesn't really fall out as the obvious choice. No, no, I do agree. I do agree. Um, and then, yeah, into penalties. Um, I, I forgot about Helder Bastini's penalty. Did you, did you watch that one back? That He penenkers it, but it basically bounces before it goes over the line. Yeah, we all remember the goal, but the, he, he absolutely just sends David James with the, with the like, it's even more cheeky than like the Perlo one. <laughs> right. I think there's something amazing about like managers who pick players out have had shit seasons and just yeah. managed to make them play well internationally it just it Sterling, baffles me how they Sterling, do Sterling this year is fingers crossed obviously Scolari he, he knew what he was doing because he um, obviously won the World Cup with Brazil and that was yeah. a Brazil side which funny enough I was watching a uh, football's greatest thing it was the Cafu one and Brazil were like on the verge of obviously not qualifying for the 2002 World Cup He's taken over with about two games to go, changed their fortunes and then ended up winning the World Cup. That's what a good manager can change fortunes completely. And obviously I'll go on to Greece and, and what happened with them. So yeah, the penalty shootout ensues um, to wrap it up quite quickly. The uh, rice for sale needs to step up and he has to score. Um, Ricardo infamously takes <laughs> off his gloves. And I kind of knew that, you know, you know, you look back and I, and I kind of deeped it then. I, this is making me a bit nervous. You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. I, I went to feeling too good. When someone's cocky like that, it gets to you. You know what I mean? If you're the cell and you see that, you're like, I can't be the guy who yeah. misses against the keeper that yeah, took his yeah. gloves it off. It fucks with you. It actually fucks with you a bit. It's like it's like when like sometimes you see boxers and UFC fighters and they're getting into a fight with someone. And you know, like you know, like when you get into a fight with Mike Tyson. And he just stared at you in the ring, and yeah, it's kind of yeah, like yeah. it's kind of like there's unnerving like that. It had that effect on me. Do you not remember when um, I think Chelsea played Everton in the FA Cup game? And I think I don't know if it was at Goodison or, or Stamford Bridge. And I think Heitinger just took one, and he just nudged Ashley Cole on his way there. Mm. Yeah, yeah, Ashley yeah. Ashley Cole was completely rattled and just skied <laughs> his penalty. I think this, these kind of mind yeah, games yeah. do work. They do work. They do work. Actually, funnily enough, I know we need to, need to move on, but I saw recently. Like uh, David James talking on Talksport, he was saying about about this shootout that Gary Neville was in his head going like, "Come on, Jamo, you're gonna save every penalty. Don't worry, going through. Come on, Jamo, you got you you got their number." And obviously, he didn't save a single one. And he was just <laughs> and even at the time he was saying he's thinking, "Fuck off, Gary Neville, like yeah. get out of my face, man." You should have told him that. You should have just said yeah. You should have just said it to him. You yeah. should have just said like at like, that point. Yeah. But cool. So yeah. So Ricardo infamously saved. Um, to rise for sales penalty shit penalty the, what he's, the, the tech is so weird but anyways he saves it and, and Portugal go through to the semi-finals well, he scored, he's, he's, scored the, he's scored the one to put him through didn't he he saved the oh sales. yeah yeah and he scored yeah yeah he scored, <laughs> he scored before <laughs> to mock it um, and then yeah Portugal go through to the semi-finals of the Euros for the, the third time in their history and hadn't won it before but that's where we are so on to quarterfinal number two which was Sweden Netherlands. I'm not really in the mood now. I'm, a bit, I'm still upset. We're not, even though <laughs> not I can go first is. because the France Greece one was actually before that, the day before. All right, good. So I can go first. So I think one thing that was key here is that Vieira was injured and mm. Olivier Dacour had to fill in. And obviously, but we I didn't mention it. I know you you made references to club football, but this was after Arsenal's Invincibles. Yeah, it was after Arsenal's Invincibles. Henri, Perez, Vieira, Wiltor were all in that team. I feel like I've missed someone out, but. You know, I think coming off the back of that, you're going to be pretty confident going into it. But I think Vieira was so good for us that season, just generally anyway, that he, he just would have been a massive miss. And I, funny enough, I didn't realise he was injured. I thought he was always suspended. That was always the thing that I remembered in my head. And um, I just think sometimes when you play against a team like Greece, where they play such a specific system and you need to create chances, a lot of chances to beat them because they're so defensively sound. You need someone like Vieira who just literally wins the ball and then just pushes you up the pitch as, as quickly as possible. But obviously he's not in the game, but you're still thinking obviously France are massive favourites here. But Greece had a very, very good te uh, tactical game plan. 
the part of their, their strategy under Otto Rehegal was to sort of man mark each player. And um, again, I'm going back to what I said on the, the Golden Generation pod. France played like a 4 4 2. And I think it kind of played into the hands of Greece a little bit because they tried to play like a narrow back four where the only t- where it was just kind of easy because Zidane would drift in, Perez would drift in, and then it just became easier to sort of mark the spaces. So really, it was only the wing backs, Lizarazu, and I think Gar- Gallas played right back actually that that day that really had the spaces to really sort of hurt Greece from from wide positions. But even then, Gallas wasn't like your overlapping right back. He was more like a a defensive minded one who could go forward, but. Funny enough, I remember him better being on the left where he could cut in and, and do some of his things. Um, do you think maybe France just didn't pay Greece the respect? Do you think maybe... No, I mean, I think it's easy to say that when these kind of shocks happen, but I think sometimes it's just the, the, the tactical elements of it and, and the sort of element of surprise, not being able to break a team down, getting frustrated. And then one thing that Greece did throughout the whole tournament that I thought was just excellent is that they always provided some sort of threat. You know, like we, um, this is why, part of why I don't like there being 24 teams in this competition, but Portugal kind of sweated their way to the tournament last time, 20, mm. Euro 2016, but yeah. they drew all of, the, they. I don't think they won a game in 90 minutes. With Greece, they were winning games. Like they, they won this game against France, 65th minute. And I think it was um, Zakarakis who was kind of like the right centre. I, I don't think I've said that right. No, I think I've said it right. Zakarakis, yeah, he, he's, he was the wide uh, central midfielder and they had like a good system Karisteus was like the the right winger in inverted commas he used to just join attacks get into the box and then Zakarakis would sort of overlap especially when Liz Arazu had been pushing up because they're trying to score a goal he's played in a fantastic cross onto Karisteus' head Karisteus was like six foot four or five or whatever he was and he just it was a great header really um, and I just I just think tactically Otto Rehegal got it completely right and just it was just a fantastic um, win a fantastic performance and and to do that against the holders to knock out the holders I, I guess they would have been pretty confident after that it was a big win for 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 Greece uh, like I said I think j- during the game there was a few chances as well there was like Henri had a couple of headers that that he couldn't get hold of but I think when you're playing like a deep system and you're playing strikers like Henri Trezeguet, maybe Trezeguet was a bit more suited to like maybe try and win headers in the box or play like that kind of nine. But Henri wasn't really that kind of striker. And when you're trying to find space and it's quite a deep, compact team, it's just difficult to, to face. And I think Greece just got it tactically spot on. Cool. I'm, I'm, I'm less upset about England. <laughs> so I'll do Sweden, Netherlands now in the, in the other qu- in, the, in the third quarter final. So as you said, that Sweden's group was, was kind of mad. They all finished on the same points with Sweden, Denmark and Italy. So Sweden came up against the Netherlands and, and Sweden had a good attack. They were all firing in Lomberg, Henrik Larsson and Ibrahimovic. So it definitely set up to be an interesting game against like a, a good Netherlands side. Obviously, you had Ruben Iswell, Robin, etc. Um, a lot of like Premier League cult heroes as well. Well, Kim Kalsham, oh, cult hero. Cult hero. Because <laughs> he turned up injured. And cult hero of Arsenal's banter. John Heitinger, who Donnell mentioned earlier. Olaf Melberg, obviously played for Villa. First goal of the Emirates. Got that as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was, it was a really good game, this. So the Dutch dominated possession. Both sides hit the woodwork, um, but it still finished 0-0 after 90 minutes, and it went all the way. Um, and 0-0 after 120 minutes, and as I said, although the Dutch dominated possession, they only actually had two more shots on target than Sweden, and, and both sides. I think the, the Dutch did edge it, and, and they clearly looked the more dangerous side, but Sweden had chances themselves, and as I said, the, the, they hit the woodwork and, and, and could have won the game. And Sweden love a little quarterfinal, don't they? Yeah, they actually do, they actually do. Sweden were dangerous, bro. They they were, they were a good side. But they there. This was yeah. This is pretty maybe their god god generation to be honest with you. Yeah, I'm close to it. Yeah, and they were on the back of like they just to draw. And as Donnell said earlier, the last game was against Denmark where they drawn two two with a late um eight and a half minute goal. And that, I think that kind of, even if it's a draw, it does things to a team, doesn't it? Like it makes you think. Yeah, we're going far. Um, so gets to 120 minutes. No team has scored from either side. But going into a penalty shootout, well, we've come across a country with a worse penalty shootout record in England. <laughs> yeah. so Sweden? Uh, Netherlands. 
Oh yeah, 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 yeah sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so Netherlands had, and not only had Netherlands lost like all their penalty shootouts made tournaments, but they'd lost them like almost like well within four year periods, yeah, almost yeah. consecutively. Was it, and, the, and they're also serial bottlers. They, they've never won a tournament, have they? No, no, I think no, they, they won the European Championships in the eighties. Um, maybe, they, maybe I think they might have bottled two World Cup finals in a. In yeah, a I, I think they, they basically they should have won way more. They yeah, had the best yeah, team they should, in the they world. They should have won. They should have won the World Cup. Yeah, okay. with, with yeah with Cruyff, Van Basten, them kind of players. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it goes into penalty shootouts, and yeah, as I said, this was actually the fifth penalty shootout uh, for Holland at a major tournament. And they'd lost all the ones before. And I'll just say the years, because I think it gives better context about like how almost consecutive this was. So it was 92, 96, which was another Euros, 98 World Cup, Euro 2000, and here we are, Euro 2004. Um, so the last three Euros in a row, they'd lost on penalties. And you're just thinking, like, you just, it's, it's how do we feel with England? Like, it's proper sad for them as well, Euro 2000, because yeah. they had France in their group. Yeah. And if they'd won that penalty shootout, they would have faced them again and they'd beaten them in the, the group, group stage. Yeah. So it was at the semi they lost, didn't it? That could have been a great chance for them yeah. to win it. Yeah. Okay, now Netherlands actually win it. I don't know who was praying for them that night, but Netherlands <laughs> actually win it. They beat Sweet they beat Sweden in pens. With Robin save uh, Robin scoring the winner. Obviously it was Chelsea bound that summer. So Ibra missed as well. Ibra missed. Melberg missed. Big players. The big boys missed away. So yeah, that's Sweden Netherlands. Yeah. I think incidentally, another, another team that I've got ahead of awful penalty shootout record was Italy. I don't, I don't think they'd won one until the World Cup final when they won it. Shit, what a time! Obviously, they lost ninety four against Brazil mm. when Baggio sent his into orbit, raced to the space station between him and Bex's penalty. <laughs> uh, and yeah, they, I think they did a really awful record there. What a time to do it! So on to the last quarter final: Czech Republic, Denmark. Yeah, so coming into this one, I think Czech Republic, which who at the group stages were looking like, yeah, these are a def- decent outfit. They, they could go far. They could they could sort of make themselves, you know, proud here. Had almost gone onto the the stage of being actually these guys could seriously challenge for the tournament. They've been the best outfit here so far. Um, England are out. Um, France have now gone out and they're, they're looking like a really really decent side um, you know we've mentioned those players already but with yeah Nedved Brzezinski uh, Paborski just absolutely doing bits and and Barros who'd been a great form in the group and and, and he formed a great partnership with um, with Jan Koller you know one of, one of the old little or large partnerships Jan Koller who was like six foot seven or something mental like that um, yeah. and they go into this game and and uh, and in, in a tournament which had thrown up some shocks for the big teams, um, or at least made them sort of struggle for, for what they're worth, um, to be fair, Denmark were, were quite plucky in the first half and sort of frustrated the Czech Republic. But after the break, um, it quite quickly turned into plain sailing and, and the strongest team um, won. So, uh, yeah, Czech Republic uh, were were playing, yeah, as I said, a, a 4-4-2. They're, they're playing a diamond with, with their wingers sort of getting chalk in their boots and yeah, as I said, an old school sort of little large strike partnership when a lot of teams are moving to 4-3-3 now um, in a formation that became prominent around Europe internationally and, you know, domestically and in, you know, obviously European club football around the time. But yeah, they they get ahead through through Jan Koller. Um, I think Nedved swings the corner in and he just inexplicably, they weren't marking the guy who's six foot seven and obviously, you know what happens next. Um, he nods. He nods it high with a really great header. To be fair, um, and then from that point on, Czech really turned the screw. Um, Paborski, you know, plays a, a nice little through ball to Balrosh, who just—it's a great finish. He just dinks it um, over 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 the keeper, and you know, it was a player who's really in form. He'd already scored three in the groups. Um, delicate finish, and then a couple of minutes later, um, from getting Paborski playing you through, he gets Nedved playing him through different kind of finish this time he just lashes it with his left foot and at this point he's, he's scored five goals in four games and um, yeah with with yeah with the likes of a set of Nedved pulling the strings in midfield Barros being absolutely prolific up top um, but also a different kind of option threat from set pieces and stuff with with the likes of Collar not to mention having you know Peter checking goal they're looking like a, a real threat for the tournament at this point 
Yeah, I think I think one thing about their team is that they had a bit of variety. So yeah. obviously you had like the good creative players, but then you got Jan Collar up front. So if you wanted to play like a couple of long balls or a few crosses into the box, you had all of that. And I think going obviously now, Greece are through, they're going to play Greece. You're kind of thinking to yourself, maybe that's a way to exploit Greece. Just give, just have loads of different things for them to think about. But obviously we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens there. <laughs> Cool, so on to our semi-finalists. Um, we've got, firstly, Portugal and the Netherlands. And then we've got, obviously, Greece and the Czech Republic. Yep, so, yeah, Port- Portugal, Netherlands. And, you know, it's, it's, look, it's looking like, um, you know, one of those, again, the, the hosts have, have, have got through to, to where they are. Netherlands are kind of sort of building into the tournament. Obviously, massively confident off the back of... Uh, winning that penalty shootout after so many failures there, maybe starting to feel like um, feel like this was their year. I think there was a lot of pressure on Portugal going into this as the host. They'd never been to um, to a major final um, in any international tournament, Euros or, or a World Cup. Um, but then, you know, just when things are getting a bit kind of scrappy, that not a lot of chances being made from open play about a quarter of the way into the game. Um, Ronaldo settles the nerves and just nods Portugal ahead from a corner on 26 minutes and I think this is when you start to sort of realise Ronaldo this guy's a bit different he can score different types of goals yeah. you know he's bringing out the step overs and, and you know looking like really dangerous scoring some some, some, some you know some, some great goals but when the nerves are sort of jangling he just pops up and nods one over from a corner and you, and you really start to think that he can um you know, have have such a, a massive impact. And that year, he scored in the FA Cup final from a header as well, didn't he? Against Millwall. Exactly. Yeah. And you, and you just you just don't expect that from a player like him at the time, like a, like a winger to sort of get stuck in and put his head in. I don't know what it is, but um, yeah, seeing him pop up like that. And yeah, Holland had most of the ball in the first half, but they didn't do a great deal. Um, didn't make a, a a lot of a lot of. Um, a lot of chances and Portugal did quite well on the break. I think they had a bit of confidence from scoring the goal so they were happy to sort of sit back, let um, Holland come at them and, and Van der Sar made a, a few decent saves. Figo hit the post um, in the in the first half and the game was finally poised um, and you'd, you'd see sort of Holland maybe carved out more in the second half or, or if Portugal um, could again hit him on the break. Um, and they get another corner in the second half but rather than choose to to play it in. Ronaldo takes it short to Manish, who mm. who sort of just knocks it once to sort of the angle of the penalty area and he just unleashes an absolute screamer. Like it you first you think, oh has he yeah, curled it, but he just puts his foot through it and Van der Sar has absolutely no chance. He's got to be sort of twenty five yards out but at an angle um as well. And yeah, um, unbelievable strike. Uh, which you'd think would settle the nerves of the Portuguese, but then not long after that, um, Andrade scores some weird own goal where he sort of like slices it. I can't remember. I'm not sure he puts it in the in the box for Holland, but he just sort of slices it. It goes up. A bit like that Vincent Company one a few years ago. Um, goes up and over. Against Fulham. Yeah, against Fulham. Yeah. Up and over Ricardo and goes in and gives um, Holland uh, a bit of a chance, a bit of a lifeline in the game. A few late scares, a lot of them from set pieces, um, kind of twitchy moments for Portugal, but they they survive. Uh, the job was done, and through yeah, kind of a, a set piece goal and a moment of magic from Manish, uh, they're through to to the final in their uh, in their home tournament. Cool, Portugal through to a final. Uh, I think it was the first final of a major tournament they'd ever reached, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Impressive. Uh, Scolari was the first was it foreign manager to take a team to the Euros final as well. Was it a major tournament, just Euros? Maybe just yeah, Euros. Yeah, no, he's the first foreign uh, manager to take a team to the European Championship final. Um, so on to the other semi-final then. So who's going to who's gonna play Portugal in Portugal uh, out of Greece and the Czech Republic? So yeah, I think going into the game, you're probably thinking, yeah, Czech Republic have a great chance here. And I think you probably want this to be the final Czech Republic column just because of how the Czech Republic were playing. Baros was the top scorer in the tournament. Jan Koller was playing well. Rosicki, Nedved, Poborski, we've already mentioned them, just the creativity behind them. It's almost perfect, really. Like That's that's exactly the kind of team that you want to, to be going up against Portugal. And, and, and I think that would have been a great final. 
but it was just the Czech Republic started extremely fast. Rosicky hit the woodwork. And I think it's one of those ones where Greece, this is where the luck comes in, kind of, because if they conceded first, you can't really see them coming in, but they just didn't concede first throughout the whole uh, knockout stage. So obviously they kept the clean sheet in the quarters. They kept the clean sheet here. And there was, a, there was just chance after chance after chance. The Greeks held on. Then Nedved has to be limps off and, and it's replaced with Vladimir Smitsa, who also replaced um, Harry Kiel in the Champions League <laughs> final a year later, which is such a strange sort of coincidence. He's just a guy that comes on when someone gets injured in, in, in big games, it seems. He scored in the Champions League final, didn't he? Yeah, yeah he scored in that same same game, the Champions League final. Did he, score, did he score in this one? No, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> that was part of the problem. And then, yeah, obviously Greece held on. The Czechs started slowing up, really. They couldn't quite create the, the level of attacking potency that they'd done in throughout the whole tournament. And I think, I go back to tactics again, maybe the Czechs were a bit narrow. You know, obviously you've got, you've got Nedved, obviously he had to come off, but you've got Nedved and Popovich gives the wide players, but they like to come inside. It just makes it a bit easier for, for maybe the Czech Republic to play their sort of system where they're sort of man-marking. The midfielders each pick up a man uh, so that that three behind the two strikers and then the two centre-backs pick up a man. Jan Koller's not going to run the channels because he's six foot seven. Yeah. Milan Baros might do so, but uh, Saitaredis, who was the right-back, would probably pick him up. So it was just kind of like, it was, it was one of those games where, again, Otto Regal just got it perfectly spot on. Mm. And again, Greece we talk manager. about creating a threat. When we get into the to extra time, that, that Karasteus, um move I'd say it was a bit of a masterstroke really just sort of playing long balls into him but making him join as almost like a second striker whilst um, Zakharakis was kind of going a bit wider to maybe support maybe putting some crosses maybe Saturidis might join the attacks here and there but yeah they played like a long diagonal ball over the defence it has to be cut out I think it was um, the ball was was over to um, Karasteas they win a corner. It's a great delivery put in and Della scores in the 105th uh, minute. Bear in mind that at this point it's silver goal. So it's, it's basically oh just like the the last... So what's that rule again? For the, so for the fans? so, so if silver if goal. If, yeah, go on. So you go into extra time. If you're winning at half time in extra time, that's the end of the game. Mm. And so they've, they've scored. In fact, they've scored in a hundred and fifth minute plus one. <laughs> so they've. It's basically a golden goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the golden yeah. goal being you score and you've just won after extra time. Mm. So at this point, the Czech Republic are probably just on their knees. Down Weird rule that. I don't, I don't get the logic there. It never came back after that, did it? I think no. it was the first game ever that was ever I, won on silver goal. I think mean the golden goal was seen as excessive, so they thought, okay, let's do. The yeah, but the golden goal makes a bit more sense though. Like, like. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I quite like Golden Goal. I quite like Golden Goal. Silver, not so keen. But yeah, that was the only game that was ever settled by, um, in the European Championships anyway, that was settled by a silver goal. But yeah, no, it was a fantastic header by, by Dallas and it was just that same kind of, uh, what's the word? It's just on the training ground, you know, the set pieces, the balls mm. into Karasteas. So smash and grabbing it. it was the, just, they, they just knew exactly what yeah. they were doing and I, when we get to the final, I'll talk about it a little bit more and where it might have started. But um, it's, it's it's quite it's quite interesting that that Greece of all teams could get to this final, and then obviously because of what had happened in the first group game, you're thinking that anything could happen at this point. But Greece had one two one. Yeah. Obviously, this is Greece's first. This is Greece's first uh, appearance at an international final, international or the final of an international tournament. And Portugal's. And Portugal's. Yeah. So big game going in, and it's in Portugal. So Portugal, obviously the heavy favourites. I know we spoke about Greece doing well, but Greece was, and, and Greece also beating Portugal in that opening game. So it's it's kind of a weird dynamic, and but but still Portugal going in as favourites. Obviously, Scolari, the manager of Portugal, has just come off winning the World Cup um, with Brazil in two thousand and two. So. Big game, big expectation for the hosts. And, and, and sorry, it was the first time ever that a European Championship match had the first game, same the as same the last as the game. last game. Yeah. It's crazy. And I think also like something I noticed. I think I remember thinking at the, t at the time, but definitely when I, I was looking back and, and watching the game, um, the, the how heavily Portugal were favourites 
was really emphasised by the commentary because like, Clive Tilsley in the commentary was just talking about the fairy tale for Portugal mm. and the party atmosphere and, you know, the, the fun time mood at the moment. Imagine what it's going to be like at full time. He was looking this, forward to some Portuguese things. He, he, bro, he was, he <laughs> was, man. He was ready for them. He was ready for them, man. He's ready for some sangria and some nice gal called Maria or something. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like, it was just, they, the script was already written. It was like, again, like the game was just a formality. And it was a procession for Portugal at home in Lisbon. They're going to go dispatch this Greece team and then they're going to, you know, light up the streets or do whatever they were going to do. So did they not do that? Well, <laughs> so funny, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of give a bit of background to, to Greece in the tournament, really. Um, so Greece had yeah. never won a match in a competitive tournament before this tournament. It was That's their, crazy. It was That's their, crazy. It was their third tournament. Yeah. This, this is what they're up against. And, and to get to the final in itself would have, because sometimes you get that, like a, the minnows get to a final and then they just sort of just die off because they know that like, They've done what they needed to do. They've they've made the nation proud, all of that kind of stuff. But interestingly enough, you know um, that Greece game uh, that England played to qualify for the World Cup. Yeah, that was Otto Rehegal's second ever game. Was it second was it? ever game? That's and, crazy. And obviously, Greece were nowhere near like qualifying or anything. Yeah. But you could see that from from sort of that game onwards, there was a bit of steel. There was a bit of tactical nous. There was just a bit of something in them. Something about like, it, this team, yeah. Yeah, that, that, he just he just put something in this team that that kind of led to this moment. And then um, I think you know Greece, like in a way, I think they've kind of spoken about it with England that like, the teams were such rivals with each other mm. that he had to kind of like come in and talk to the players and say, look. I know you lot hate each other at club level, but just, just we need some unity. It's Greece before anything. And yeah. for a man that's not from Greece to do that, maybe you could say that a man that's not from Greece is the only person that could do that because obviously you've got Panathinaikos, Olympiakos, all of those kind of teams. Yeah. They're, you know, they, they're proper big rivals with each other. And he just brought a bit of unity. So it's quite a good point. I, mean, I, I, I don't know. I'm completely speculating now, but... Maybe if if you know if you get a Panathinaikos manager to be Greece manager, that creates some bitterness, some bad feeling. But you yeah, get somebody exactly. you go, look, I don't fucking care. I, Ike Athens, fucking Panathinaikos, whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah, all get behind the team. I'm just gonna pick the best players. Go out and see what you can do, sort of thing. Exactly. And just just to give, obviously, Rehegal, I think he's probably the old. He, in fact, he was the oldest manager to to ever win the, to the competition at this point. I don't even think there's been an older manager since. Just a lot of experience um, of football, just generally, and and obviously on on, you just brought it to this stage, really, and yeah, it was just like a, again the same system that they played, the man marking system, just going toe for toe, and 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 the thing is, you're 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 thinking to yourself like, you know, Portugal play a similar system with the four three three. You're still thinking, all right, cool. Like Portugal have got this. Do you know what I mean? You're thinking, yeah. That. But I don't think they back themselves. If you, if you look at that first half, they are not thinking, right? Let's just break down this team because what Greece has kept what three clean sheets in the knockouts to, yeah, uh, to this yeah. point. A lot of them after 120 minutes or 105 minutes, um, <laughs> and ra and rather than you know step into them and and trying to break break them down, there's a lot of shots from sort of 20 yards. You know, testing this this keeper Nikopolidis, who's like grey and looks like you know someone's dad just come, come down <laughs> to help out the five aside. But they they're not they they're not really like trying to unleash Ronaldo in behind, trying to take Figo being an absolute Rolls Royce of a footballer. They 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 look a little bit like oh let's just test them, see what it's got. Let's not throw ourselves. Into, again, I think they look a little bit nervy, maybe a little bit rattled by. The situation, obviously, I guess they lost to them earlier in the tournament, so that might have been playing on their minds. Yeah, and and also playing in front of the home crowd, we can talk about it being an advantage. It can also be a disadvantage, you know. Yeah. We've, we've seen it even in, at club level with Bayern Munich when when they played in Munich against Chelsea. So it was just, yeah, maybe maybe the nerves were getting to them. But I just, I just think you know tactically, like Greece just got it spot on, like it, in in every way really. And then it, it got to the second half, no nil nil and I think the longer the game goes on and you haven't scored against a team that haven't conceded in the knockouts yeah. and they've scored in every single game you're thinking here we go again and guess who steps up it's Karasteas who did it against France um, and I, uh, I think at that point 
you're, you're, you're looking at it and you're thinking, yeah, this team are still not going to concede, are they? And the, I think the goal, by the way, is shocking from Portugal's point of view. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, it's, it's, it's a good delivery um, and it's a good he- header from Caris Deas, but from... from as Portugal, as the as the back four and as the goalkeeper, as the as the manager, you've seen this team um, beat beat teams in the knockouts that, with respect, they've got no rights to really beat in a Czech Republic team which are in the having the tournament of their life, in a France team who are, um, you know, holders of competition at this at this point. They've they scored headers, that's how they've won, and Ricardo comes out, he's flat. He, you say yeah, you say the word the hell is he you, you say the word no man's land, but you normally say that when a keeper comes miles. Like the head is actually from the line on the six yard box, mm. and he just heads it into the middle of the goal, which is empty. It's piss poor defending against a team who you know are going to try and exploit set pieces and, and try and score and try and score headers. And kind of just to take it back to, I guess maybe Ricardo's weakness. Similarly, he showed for the Sol, Sol Campbell goal. He shows again here, and it's just and it's and it's. Don't, don't get me wrong, good delivery, good finish, but it was an absolute gift for Karis Deus, if you ask me. Yeah, and you just know that Greece would have been working on that for so long, just being like, yeah, their keeper's a bit shaky in this area. Yeah. Make sure that you run across him, because it, it, it does look like a, a very purposeful run. Yeah, if you yeah. look at the goal that Della scores in the semi-final, it's a very kind of different delivery. It's more, a bit more of an outswinger. Della's kind of heads it across goal. This one is kind of like, get in front of Ricardo and then nod it in. So it looks quite purposeful. Agreed. And then, yeah, they get to the end of the game. They've won, <laughs> they've won the tournament and no one can, no one in Europe can believe it. I think, I think just, just one point I'd probably, I'd probably say before that is I, can, I think um, we spoke about Ronaldo and this tournament being the making of him, but I, I think this showed where it was maybe not quite the finished article. You know, he was clearly, he's, it, clearly he was a better footballer than every single Greek player on the pitch, right? Maybe maybe every single player, full stop. But he was he was he was bringing out the tricks. He was sort of beating players in areas, but he's in the channel. He's not he's not in the middle. He's just better, but he's not quite as effective. Um, I think he, he had a chance late on where I think Rui Costa plays him in, and he takes the ball down. Like you could see the talent there, but then he he sort of blazes it over. He has another one a bit later on where. He takes a shot that I think Dallas blocks. You can just see the makings of it, and I don't know. Maybe if I'm, I'm kind of being a bit over romantic about it, but I wonder if because we all remember that images of him after when he's crying and he's, you know, he's got his earrings. Yeah, and that, he did that, love crying, didn't that, he? That, that <laughs> but you, 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 you wonder, if, him. you wonder if he looks at that and he goes, you know, what? I, I had a great game today, but I didn't score any goals. So it's all well and good having all the tricks and all that, and. And, and being the best player, but I need to be more effective. I need to get into position. I need to score goals. I need to work on my finishing. You, I don't know. I might be speculating there, but I think you could really analyse that game a lot from Ronaldo and, and see how much more effective he was later on in the career. And you know, obviously how clutch he came in in all the finals he played in after that. The thing is, I always think with these kind of games, you have to look to your most experienced players to really deliver. Um, yeah, and, true, uh, true. And, and Figo being one of them, obviously you've got all of those players Deco, Andrade Carvalho all of these lot that should have really just been playing you know doing their bit really to just help the team get over the line um, but but like I said it's, it's difficult really and, and I think when you come up against a team like Greece they were such a unique team um, compared to the rest of the tournament I think tactically you know we can obviously talk about maybe the formations but you, you know that man marking system it's kind of like what Leeds play now, but maybe a bit more of a low block. And Leeds are a bit more aggressive with it. Just it's it's just um, it was just perfect, really, and, and it was masterminded by by Otto Rehegal. Um And I, I wonder what the Germans were thinking because they went out in in the in the, the group. group stage. And Greece have gone on to win it with a German manager, so they must have been fuming. It's actually mad to, to to do it without conceding any goals as well in the in the knockout stages. Yeah, has anyone ever done that before? Or since? Spain may have Spain. done it. Spain may have done it. Maybe. That's still very impressive. Yeah. And as Donnell said, particularly given where they came from, they'd never won a a game in in a major international tournament. It's just it's, it's actually mad. And yeah. and the biggest upset since Denmark in in '92. Yeah, and when they got their their famous um, years win, yeah, and um, <coughs> yeah, they became the f- uh, 
first nation to win. Obviously, we talk, talked about the three managers that got to a major final. Um, three foreign managers that got to a major final. He, Otto Rehegar, became the first one to win. Yep. That had never happened in 11 of the previous European Championships or or 17 World Cups. So, <laughs> we're, the odds we're, were stacked against extended. him. <laughs> I know, the odds were madly stacked. And at 65 years and 10 months and 28 days, he uh, he became the oldest coach. Otto Rehegar became the oldest coach to win a European Championship title, breaking uh, Renus Michael's record from 1988. So, yeah, that's when Holland won their... Um, their, their Euros so yeah no, it was a it's an incredible achievement and I can just imagine what Greece would have been like at the time there's probably some Brits in there just, just sponging <laughs> off the glory and yeah this this it was no it was actually I, I, remember, actually, I just went I went out to the to the Olympics that year and which is obviously in 2004 as well at they, Athens yeah yeah they were, they were like I can believe it they were going mad for it obviously it's good just, curtain razor yeah yeah tell me about it so yeah mad and I think it, it goes back to the sort of theme of the year of the underdog as well. Because, you know, obviously we've done that pod uh, 03, 04, Porto winning the Champions League. And I guess it's kind of, it, to be honest, you could have probably said that about Portugal if they had won it. Maybe they were the underdogs. But um, given the fact that they ended up playing an even bigger underdog and Greece winning it, you know, it just added to the dramas of, of the whole competition. A lot of teams look back at that tournament and think, Phew. No, what if if we, Again, if we if England? I think as well. As we said, we win that game against France. Um, we withdraw, and uh, obviously, it's difficult to say because obviously Greece ended up winning it. But you'd still fancy us against that Greek team. Yeah, um, you would. You would have. But as I said earlier, you know, Rehegar's second ever match for Greece was the two-two to England. Yeah. So at, it's kind of like at Old Trafford. Yeah. Uh, yeah, at Old Trafford, so it's kind of like, oh, you don't know really because yeah. th- they were a bit more defensively sound. Yeah. England was sometimes a bit flaccid in attack. Yeah. Was Rooney going to be fit enough? There were so many questions, but... I, you I never know, but I... I like I, that word, flaccid. <laughs> 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 uh, I, think, I, think, I think maybe England are the sort of team that need to grow into tournaments, you know, like b- build it up a little bit. I, I don't know. It's hard to say because... Nothing's really worked for 50-odd years. Either we build or we start well. Um, but we'll see. Fingers crossed this year. It's almost a home tournament for us. All group games at Wembley. If we win the group, uh, last 16 games at Wembley, we'll go away for the quarterfinals, but the, the semi and the finals at Wembley. So, fingers crossed, it's coming home and it stays home. It's coming home, baby. Amen, baby. Euro 2020, we dare. Cheers for listening. Thanks for the attention. Big love. All of that. Gang, gang, gang. It's coming home. Brrrr. Stay naughty. Stay naughty, baby. Bang.